and welcome to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. This is episode 58, Picnic at Hanging Rock. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Hello. Hey. What's up? How you doing? <laughs> Good. How are you? So nice to have a podcast where I know who I'm talking to and I can just fucking yeah. chill out, dude, you know? Oh, there's no, there's no pressure to uh, sort of um, say the right thing or... <laughs> How do you say do it? Measure, measure a different social interaction? Yeah, yeah. Or just like know like what the dynamic is. Like, yeah. Like, what's our dynamic? I want to be high energy. They got to meet me here. You know? I expect you to pick up the yeah. sl- any kind of slack and spaghetti I throw around. Yeah, we, we're just going to stick to our usual dynamic of sort of uh, incoherent mumbling for 20 <laughs> minutes. And then I'm sort of... Throwing spaghetti, <laughs> spaghetti back and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's uh, been a while, but I think we can still uh, yes, it's, probably it's, probably put one. It has of these been together. quite a while. It's been I think it's about six. As months. the ancient poet Stained once said. <laughs> so, Picnic at Hanging Rock yeah. is a 1975 Australian film directed by Peter Weir and stars Rachel Roberts, Dominic Gard, Helen Morris, and Louise Lambert, Vivian Gray, and Jackie Weaver, among others. And it was adapted from a 1967 novel by Joan Lindsay. I was going to say, if we watched the version. Forgetting The Rocks. It stars The Rocks as well. <laughs> the Rocks are central to the uh, plot. And uh, we watched the version available on the Criterion. Or I watched the version available on the Criterion channel. You might have special order to region free blue right oh, okay no i i went what i did is i went and watched the original australian with subtitles on vimeo <laughs> subtitles <laughs> so it's in it's in sort of like plain english but the subtitles are all like uh australian slang no exactly and it has, tra- <laughs> has translator notes yeah Beautiful. the bush refers to <laughs> the australian wilderness i'm like oh it's very useful yeah just that one character needs, needs to be translated that one real Australian guy. Yeah. Birdie. Birdie. That's Birdie. It. Andrew, can you summarize Picnic at Hanging Rock? Yeah. Um, so there's a school. They call it a college, but I don't know if college means the same thing in Australia as it does in the U.S. It's a it's a girls it's a girls boarding school in Australia. Yeah. They go to a picnic at said Hanging Rock. Three of the girls and the teachers get lost. One of them gets found. And people spend the whole movie looking for them, and then three of them never get found, and then the movie ends. It, uh, I think it's it's famous for its inconclusiveness, and um, quite a bit of plot was sort of developed in the second half to distract you from the fact that there's not going to be a solution to the mystery. Yeah. Um, yeah, because because the the picnic is over in probably like twenty minutes. I know. I hate when the main thing of the main part of the crux of the movie is like gone. So quickly. That's why I like Star Wars so much, because the Star Wars are always happening. Yeah, they're always going on. So the, the picnic ends in like 20 minutes. And I'm like, what's going uh, on? <laughs> within about five minutes, it's pretty apparent there's no like, there's no finding the girls or whatever, unless there's like a deus ex machina happening. And then the rest of the movie is sort of like alternates between like dream sequences and um sort of the inner workings of the boarding school or, or the college or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, and some stuff with the, some, someone trying to find the girls. Um, and that's, all, I think the, all that's to, to say is that from why my, my understanding is that they added that in or they developed it in that structurally that way, because there wasn't much of it, it's sort of marketed as a mystery, but there's not really a mystery in the sense that like a mystery film has a mystery. Right. There's nothing to be solved in the movie. 
Yeah, which is kind of the point of it. And I think in a lot of ways is that the, well, I guess there's, 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 it's actually fairly thematically dense in that it's about sort of English people coming to this place that's older and doesn't, you can, a lot of the movie is the, the way they're trying to, to, to sort of build this Victorian Edwardian culture in, in this place that's not receptive to it. Right. And it's undeveloped wilderness. Yeah. This, this ancient weird place that doesn't, have anything to do with england or whatever and then there's i think also it's also partially about how and i think this is sort of made explicit in the movie there's a conversation between two gardeners it's about how some questions just don't have answers right and uh yeah so i can see how this movie and believe it or not this movie was actually a pretty big hit in australia like a like a massive hit. Yeah, I think I which is that up or saw that at some point. It was like the first like foray of like you know wider Australian cinema or something. Yeah, kicked off credited with kicking off the Australian new wave. I haven't seen a ton of Australian movies myself, but other than I think this movie and then maybe some movies I don't know I don't realize are Australian and then um, like the Mad Max movies, the early Mad Max movies, which are contemporaneous to this. Yeah. There was I read an article a little while back about I forget the name of the movie, but a movie that like was very successful in Australia, but like I don't know if it financially tanked like overseas, but it otherwise was unsuccessful overseas because of like these broader cultural misunderstandings, especially about like these these ideas of I don't know dealing with grief and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That it, like people felt that it came off as stilted in the way that people were like coping with loss or like unnatural. Yeah. So I went, but not, that's not this, you're not talking about this. No, movie. I'm talking, talking about, about like a fairly different. recent movie. A fairly recent like movie. Like the yeah. last five or 10 years. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about how like Australian culture might have diverged from English culture, which might, which is also diverged from American culture, you know. Right, and we, I think the article I wish all I, English. I'll see if I find it somewhere. If there's somewhere I can ever find it, but the there, you know, that idea that all English-speaking cultures are the same. Yeah. So they're all approached like, oh, they speak English, so let's approach them from the same way we approach, you know, the rest of our English-speaking culture. I mean, the, the idea is kind of farcical, honestly, because uh, even looking at the way the countries are, are run and the, the, just the way people live their lives is just so different in all these countries, even though, even if there is some similarities. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I just, this movie in particular, I, have a, I do have a hard time imagining this movie being like, six, like a hit <laughs> because it alternates between being like, well, I guess it, it basically just, it feels like an art movie, like a period art movie. It's just a really weird one. Yeah, there is a, um, I re- for the fr- I've watched some of the supplementary materials for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. They're good on the Criterion channel. Yeah, I, I always need to watch them, like all of them. But yeah, who's got all that time, you know? If I really like a movie, I'll watch more of it. But otherwise, I'll be like, oh, those look interesting. And then I just never get around to it. But I watched. But there's some. There's there's a good one. Well, I watched. I watched the one that was like the the, one. on film art. On film art yeah. is that what it's called? The one yeah. by the, like the that professor. Yeah. Yes. Those are always pretty good. Those little on film art series things. 
observations on film art, I should say. Yeah, which is basically the idea of, oh, well, they obscured, like, the mystery and the horror elements inside of, like, art. Like, yeah, like the, like the trappings of, a, of what, what would have been an art, art movie, and, uh, period art movie, historical drama in 1975. Inside that, there's a horror movie. Which is a really interesting idea, I think. Yeah, and like the especially the idea that also in the broader idea that people are more willing to accept like pointless bullshit or whatever if it's like, oh, it's an art film, so it, it cannot, yeah. it's, it's perfectly fine to not have an ending. Right. They. She's. I think she doesn't. She even. She even calls out the device of like the freeze frame yeah. because it's like that. This is like the like the visual grammar that says. The movie's ending and there's that's that's the end of the there's not gonna be a resolution is this like the freeze frame and then the blackout and the blackout of the, of the frame and all that right <laughs> this is it's like ah oh, well i suppose if it's an art movie it can do those kind of things <laughs> i mean it's um, true it is an art yeah. movie. and it does get to do those kinds of things so the girl who plays um i think the character's name is miranda yeah the main the like the um the main the leader the leader of the girls that gets uh missing lost yeah um i i looked i saw her and i was like wow this i know this person this is like a super famous actress from the 70s and i was like looking around and it turns out the only reason i know her is because she was on an episode of the granada sherlock holmes series from the 80s and i've seen like those episodes like 100 times each okay so I was like, oh, so she's not famous. I just, <laughs> she's famous to me. Right. Very well known. <laughs> I thought she was like the Australian, like Charlotte Rampling or something. Like she was, she's like one of those actresses in a million movies, but this is basically her only like movie. She was in like Australian soaps after that. And like, um, obviously the Sherlock Holmes show. Are you, are you trying to tell me that art horror is not like a breakout, <laughs> succe- a way to break out and succeed? Yeah, I guess. I mean, plenty of. I think there's plenty of been plenty of uh, people with different career paths. I mean, I think, I think I read somewhere that Peter Weir or whoever cast the girls entirely for their looks, and like they were some of them were dubbed in, or most of them were dubbed in afterwards, even to the. To that okay. Point. So yes. Like, that I thought some of the people were dubbed. That. Be, yeah. Definitely you felt tell. like there were people that were dubbed, and I didn't know if that was just like. You know, and she she is very striking, and Louise Lambert she she looks like a like a painting, so I can see why he would pick her, and then dub her in, you know, because it almost adds to the unreality too. Yeah, yeah. There's the girl with glasses. Is the one you know the the, the complaining <laughs> yeah. girl with glasses was like extremely dubbed. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty, pretty apparent. So I was like, but I, but the rest of the people were like mostly fine, I think. Yeah. They're not like a strikingly, like clearly dubbed. <laughs> yeah, no, she was definitely, well, she also had like the most dialogue of any of the girls. Yeah, well, most of the girls maybe didn't have, Sarah. Yeah, I was going to say, most of the girls didn't have very much dialogue. Most of the people didn't have very much dialogue. Yeah, it's, I think um, Rachel Roberts, who plays App, Appleby or Appleton, Appleby, I think, is the. Um, I'm gonna look that up. It's Apple Yard. Yes, this is Apple I Yard. I feel like Apple, the... Appleby is just the common name. Appleton is something specific. <laughs> she was. She was. She's the headmistress of the school or the. the what is Appleton you know, now? 
somebody else's name. He wrote uh, Tom Swift. It's a pseudonym of the person who wrote the Tom Swift books, Victor Appleton, I think. Uh, I feel like I'm thinking of that. That's probably what you're thinking yeah, of. Yeah, that's, that's definitely what I'm thinking <laughs> of. The pseudonym of the Tom Swift books author. Um, yep, I got that right. Good. Uh, yeah, so she has a lot of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, uh, and uh, Birdie, and um, actually Birdie, Bert, the, the other guy doesn't have that much dialogue. He just sort of like nods and smiles at Birdie when he talks. Right. Thinks about talking. He'll, he thinks about talking a lot. Yeah, he like makes that face like, oh, I'm about to say something. And then, and then yeah. never says anything. So did they, did they, were you going to say something? Did I distract you? Or you were talking about Apple? I was talking about Apple. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And we solved it. You were thinking of the Tom Swift guy. I was thinking of the Tom Swift guy. That was my mistake. Yeah. I always am thinking did about you... him. <laughs> yeah. Just think constantly. Wake up in the middle of the night thinking about Tom Swift. Ah, I got to read those. Remember the time you met the Hardy Boys? That's a... No, I don't remember that time. Oh. Tell me about it. The time you the Hardy uh, well, they met. They met each other. I think they solved a mystery. I can't remember what the name of the sheared of the villains were, but the villains got together. Ooh, then, uh, <laughs> team up. Yeah, this is pretty classic. The Hardy Boys are sort of like teenagers that solve mysteries. Right, right. Yes, I'm aware of the Hardy. And Tom Swift is like a teenager with a laser gun. Oh, did he bring his laser gun? <laughs> yeah, and his laser gun and his jetpack. I think he had a robot. I know they rewrote a bunch of them. I read the you know like the probably the late '80s, early '90s versions. Yeah. From, they were they were rewritten from the fifties versions to like take out all the racist stuff. Oh yes, oh, of course, <laughs> or whatever, or not all the racist stuff, but some of the racist stuff. Probably. The most noticeable racist stuff. <laughs> yeah, though I think the villain was still like a like a scheming Oriental. Well, but... listen, <laughs> back in the eighties, that was still safe. Yeah, this day he just you know he was the CEO of an electronics company instead of a, a raping pirate or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm making that up. That's, I mean, I, I, I do think that the villain is a was like a yellow pearl character, but I don't, I don't remember the specifics at all. Right. So, don't don't quote me on that. I won't quote you on it. I was just, I was just making like the uh, the '80s, the '80s in the '80s. The uh, the guy would be a CEO of an electronics company because we're, you know, that's the '80s thing. But um, <laughs> to change the subject. Oh yeah, I can change the subject. I would suggest. I was, I was going to let you change the subject. <laughs> the um. The cool, film's got a cool look of, uh, like, very, very soft lighting. Yeah. And I I think I, I watched, like, one and a half supplementary materials, so I don't know which one it was in, but they talk about the one you watched. They talk about the different materials that were draped over the camera to create the filters and the diffuse lighting and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the one. Sorry, um, I'm trying to look up this article about this movie, but I don't know how to find okay. it. Okay. Um, so yeah, but the, so the movie has a like impressionistic look, like it looks like a, like a, like a, it's, it's meant to look like an impressionistic painting. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. It, 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 it is very much about like the stylistic approach of the film and like the look of the film. And it's just like, you know, it's going, it's, it's really about vibes, you know? primarily yeah it is really about vibes it's it and i think it is it is kind of a really cool bait and switch the way that they sort of took this this horror plot and like put it like just sort of let it play out in an entirely different right. way they kind of started sort of started the horror plot and then kind of kept a lot of the horror trappings but ignored the typical resolution of a horror plot 
or even like moving towards that resolution of a horror. I mean, by the end, they're like taking photo ops of them looking for the girls. Yeah, right. They're like, no, no, no. Like, look, look. Like what he has, like the guy with the periscope. And he's like, no, look, like you know, trying to frame how he's looking, and like, oh no, look, no, look this way, look that way. You know, try to make your the way you're looking more important. That sort of thing. <laughs> Or even right before that, was like the very tired police inspector in the center of the photo. As they're all like, they're like the little hooks, and they're all excited and ready to go. When clearly, there's like that's at the end of the movie, and they're not looking, they're not gonna find anything at that point. Yeah. So, um, I did, I did pick this movie to sort of tie it into our like the folk horror thing, which we're I think we're gonna wrap up pretty soon. Yeah. But um. Because I kind of feel like it felt reading about it in advance before and then watching it, it did it does feel like it could I could make a case for it being in that in in the vein of these other ones, although you know very different movie. Right, but it still has then that um like the the feel that you would think of when you think of folk horror. Yeah, this like cr- this kind of uncaring, just like nature. It, that exists yeah the the uh the one i think the one of the things one of the hallmarks one of the possible hallmarks of folk horror could be that it's the meeting of civilization and and uh an older nature yeah and just the way that they especially with the way they shoot the rocks as being like as if they're villains right it's like they're just imposing and looming over everyone constantly and they use like a couple of the same shots repeatedly as if they are yeah. like the important rocks. Yeah, they well they they have that one that looks like a face that they keep yeah. showing. Um, the big boss yeah, rock. So I, and actually, it is a it is a fairly upsetting movie, and because of the way that it just sort of says like you're not going to ever find out what happens, right? And then it's just like in in life, <laughs> and everything kind of like the school starts to fall apart. Yep. Sarah kills herself at the. That's like at the very end of the movie. And yep. well, then like the headmistress presumably kills herself. Well, they find her dead at the rock, right? So yes. kind of, yeah. She does kind of, and she gets all like in her funeral drag before. Right, and then it's like it's as they do like the very stuttery slow motion of the original picnic scene. They mentioned, oh, they found her dead off the rocks, presumably fell. But I watched that movie; she didn't fall. <laughs> no. It, 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 yeah, I didn't. I didn't really understand how, what, why she was already dressed in full mourning garb, or did she know Sarah killed herself? Like, I didn't really get. I mean, she probably, she was like everything. I feel she felt like everything was falling apart. Yeah, and maybe she did know that Sarah had already killed herself. Like, she knew she was gone and saw like the window open or something. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but also it's all stylistically you get, it evokes yeah. the feelings you, you're supposed to feel, whether it makes a hundred percent sense for the character to do what the character did. Yeah. It didn't feel out of place. I was just sort of wondering what it signified, but like I, it made sense. It weirdly made sense, but I didn't really get plot wise how it was backed up. Cause it's, is that, I mean, that's a kind of like the resignation of death by the end of the movie. You know, the search mm. has stopped. 
and all those sorts of things. It's kind of like, and I mean, it takes place after the actual kind of like ceremonial funeral, right? I think so. Yeah. Wait, ceremony funeral for the yeah, girls. Yeah, wasn't there, or was that something else? Or did I miss? I, maybe I missed that. I don't. I don't remember that part. What were they all doing when they were leaving that like public building? Was that not a funeral? Did I? Oh, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, so I guess like it, it, to wrap that up, I guess like I do, I did really enjoy this movie. Yeah, I don't know. I did too. You did too. Or I you did. Didn't? I did very much enjoy it. I yeah, extremely into this movie. This is like very much my my shit that I'm into. <laughs> um. I like, like, I like weird, kind of like meandering, pondering things with zero resolution. I do like the the zero resolution thing. I don't always like the the meandering thing, but it this movie did not. It took it. It sort of takes its time to not do a lot, but it didn't feel. It wasn't boring. I think it's really easy. It's like a, it takes a skillful hand, probably from a lot of different members of the crew. Yeah cast and crew to make it not boring and i do not want to watch a boring movie just for the sake of like proving like, a point it, 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 yeah it it's it, it, it is a like a thin line between pretentious and 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 this yeah you know? like well, i think it and, like this movie does a very good thing of making you feel like something could always happen yeah oh that, that i did want to mention that before is the score of this movie is awesome. oh this that pan flute right. is out of control i am in love yeah. with that pan flute it's so like it, it, it's so like moody and like the organ stuff going behind behind the pan flute and, and uh, it's great that pan flute is its own character in this movie it kind of is it's pretty it's pretty important yeah it just adds so much to this movie. you can never you never understate the importance of a good score no especially in a horror movie honestly yeah but but in all movies but like yeah, especially sound can be so unsettling it is super it can be really despite it being a generally like pretty pleasant sort of performance for the pan of fluid it's pretty discordant at times right well because it's like weaving in with all those rocks yeah and it creates like i don't know how large hanging rock is but it is shot to be like massive and unknowable yeah it's a, it's like an ancient volcanic formation right, right? it's gonna be pretty big but i mean also and... who knows if you like if you knew the path maybe you could traverse it in like 20 minutes yeah that's true um because it's it seems like it's shot where it's like oh this thing doesn't seem that big but also it could be infinitely large at the same time and where do they go when they go down that like what's for that weird passageway inside the cliff yeah i wonder if there is not like further elaboration of that in the novel like who knows if i go into the novel and they're like it's a space cave uh, i hope not where the space time is weird i guess you uh you just convinced me to never read the novel <laughs> in case it is it's actually a work of science fiction in case it solves it yeah and it explains everything in complete detail it doesn't look like it okay that's good or i mean it could be oh. like According to this, the exi- according to the editor Sandra Forbes, the original draft of the novel included a final chapter in which the mystery was resolved. 
At her editor's suggestion, Lindsay removed it prior to publication. And it has been published. Yeah. Since the then. epilogue. Yeah. Well, okay, do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear the yeah, answer? Yeah, what's the answer? Okay, how, so... Wait, how right was I? Um... Not well, not that not not that wrong actually. Each girl begins to experience dizziness as they three of them push on and feel as if they are being pulled from the inside out. A woman a woman suddenly appears climbing the rock in her underwear, shouting through and then faints. The woman is the woman is not referenced by name and apparently a stranger to the girls. Yet the narration suggests she is Miss McCraw. Miranda loosens the woman's corset to help revive her. Afterwards, the girls remove their own corsets and throw them off the cliff. The recovered woman points out the corsets appear to hover in midair as if stuck in time and that they cast no shadows. She and the girls continue together. The girls then encounter what is described as a hole in space by which they physically enter a crack in the rock, followed by a lizard. The unnamed woman transforms into a crab and disappears into the rock. Mar- Marion follows her, then Miranda, but when Irma's turn comes, a balanced boulder, the hanging rock, slowly tilts and blocks the way. The chapter ends with Irma tearing and beating at the gritty face in the boulder with her rear hands. So it actually doesn't really solve the mystery. It's not that different okay. than what happens, right. except it, the woman turns into a crab. And okay, like I that. mean, that's, that's little... actually, as far as, like, resolving your weird things go, that's not as bad, because it's still, like, up, oh, it's still weird as shit and inexplicable. Yeah, it doesn't really, like, what, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> it sort of gave you more information, but none of it means anything. Yeah. It just but confirms that, that, that there's, in fact, weird shit, but, like... Yeah, the confirmation which of you almost don't even versus people simply getting lost lost on a rock, I guess doesn't change too much. Yeah, I mean, in the movie, and probably the original book that doesn't have that chapter in it since it was removed, I think does a fine job of communicating that there's weird shit. Right. Yeah, the movie uh, certainly the movie does because it it does everything in its power to make you think there's weird shit going right. on without without telling. Yeah. You. To the fact where it's uh. sort of like. Almost, I don't know if it plays on convention. If, or if that, like, what was the convention of the time? Does it play on convention of the idea that there is something strange going on, and we bring our own expectations to that, and it like intentionally uses those expectations? I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know. That's those are good questions. Um, you got to. It almost feels to me, just based on what he said in some of those, Peter Weir said in those things, that he was he was more concerned. He liked, it seemed like the, he had been given the book to do and was more concerned about the way the book didn't end. And so he, he used, he sort of re- reframed it so it wouldn't be a mystery because he was worried people would be upset by after they watched a mystery and didn't see a solution. Right. So in that way, he was sort of um, playing with expectations. But I, I don't know if it was quite in the way that you you were just talking about you know what i mean yes i get what you're saying so peter weir i, I didn't realize he directed uh the truman show dead poet society like the master and commander movie <laughs> so he ended, he ended up having a pretty productive you're fucking still a track record dude i mean those are pretty good movies i i don't know how i guess when you're like when i think of master and commander well, that, that movie was pretty good, actually. Is it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was a... I only guess it wasn't a hit, right? Because it didn't make any more of them. And there's like 10 books, but... I don't, I don't know. But the it was pretty close to the books, which are cool. You know, but anyway, we don't have to talk about Master Commander. No. He also directed Galop, Gallipoli? Gallipoli? How do you say that? I don't know. But it's uh, that one, I think, is on 
the uh, Criterion channel right now. Because there was a, I don't know if it's still on there, but there was a Australian New Wave collection. Oh, okay. Um, and I, there was also an Australian New Wave movie in the 70s horror collection, which may still be on there as well. But I don't know. I don't know. I got off topic. You did. You get a little off topic talking about how much you love Master Commander, the far side of the world. <laughs> I don't know how much I love it. Is there <laughs> I don't know. You sound like you really love it. I think it's a fine movie, though. There's no reason to be sardonic about it. <laughs> or sarcastic. The um, There is another Peter Weir movie from 1977 on the Criterion channel called The Last Wave, which I'll probably yeah. watch. And that's, a, that's another Australian sort of mystery horror movie. So I'll check that out as well. It would probably might have been good to watch that one as like the, the uh, like uh, the bonus content episode that we're gonna release. But we didn't. I don't know. I like the idea of bonus content being outside of the current era, like our or, or rather the prescribed era. Yeah, yeah. I, I go two ways on it. I, I go like, should it be complimentary or should it be just like? I I like at least having like you you there being able, a way to drive a to connect it, but I also like it being like. Like, oh, like you said, like not a 70s movie or whatever. Because yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. oh, there's a lot of sort of like crossover or a lot of attention to horror like post that era. Because we, yeah. we've mentioned time and time how they're at least broadly speaking in the broad cultural landscape. There seems like to be a cultural shift around the beginning of the 80s in terms of what horror is. Yeah, I mean, it, it, is it, that partially because look at... of the rise of the blockbuster as well? And it is, and I think it's also you can look at it, you can you can you can reexamine that, and you can pick that that theory apart yeah. if you want. It's like, it, but it's optional, right. you know. Like I don't I don't know if if there's hard to say which which is right, you know what I mean? Because you can you can you can make a continuum of movies that leads to the movies that started coming out in the eighties. Like there is there's movies that set the stage for right. that, all throughout since the starting in the late sixties even, but. <laughs> you know that's kind of like an unsolvable riddle now and like you said the the blockbuster thing definitely has an effect on the, yeah. the way the movies are made i think that's probably a bigger effect than even like the existence of like the slasher genre i think the fact that the slasher genre exists but also more importantly i think that the blockbuster existed i think it created like a bigger like shift in what horror was because it created a bigger shift in what movies were yeah and i i also think just in general that horror movies are like among the most reflective of the culture that they're of, of movies horror the genre of horror is the some of the most reflective of the culture it's created what are we scared of right because what are we scared foreigners. of and i all th- <laughs> awful lot of times it's it's just, it's just which, which but, country are they coming from i mean you're not wrong but it all it, it also you know so i think that there's also a cultural shift that happens in the late seventies, early eighties. You know, in America, we're talking mainly about yeah. American horror films. The American American horror because oh, America put, um, makes a lot of fucking movies. <laughs> that Hollywood. We certainly at certainly at that point we were the main we were one of the main exporters of culture. That Hollywood world. machine is a big machine. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, that's picnic and hanging rock, right? Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say about well, that? There was like a. Um... A 2011 or 13 or like mid mid 20 odds adaptation, I believe. 2018. TV okay, show. The late 2018. I I didn't I haven't seen it. Did you see? Have no, you seen it? No, neither have I. But I I know it's got Natalie Dormer in it. 
but um and I I I had seen the posters and I thought she played the Miranda character just because that's I don't know. I don't know why. I guess cuz she's pretty and young but she plays the Mrs. Appleyard character. Oh, okay. So. Uh No, when I was watching this when I was watching this movie, it was very much like I had the vibes of like what is something that feels queer but isn't? Yeah, well, I mean, but there's the, some explicit queerness in this, or semi-explicit. Yeah, but I mean, the Sarah the 2018 stuff. one makes that far more explicit. So, oh, I'm like, oh, okay, that wasn't just me. Does it? They explore that idea a lot more. Is it? Is it? Is it? For, is it a textual in the, or more textual in the 2018 one? Have you? Do you know yes, that? it is more textual in the 2018 one. Okay. That's what. That's what I looked up. I'm like, is this just because I'll look at things. I'm like, is this just me in my 2020 vision? Well, I mean, there's no way that Sarah wasn't supposed to right, be. Right, no. Yeah, Sarah was like... <laughs> a, like a lesbian or whatever. Like, there's no... Like, there's, it's just, that's pretty much... That's explicit. Yeah, she's like, oh, my sweet, my darling. And, well, Miranda was also like, oh, you can't be in love with me forever or something. Yeah, it's... it's it's That seems pretty explicit. But also, like, and I just that is, like, girls' boarding school convention, you know? Yeah, that's... that's a, I'm not a, not a genre I'm super familiar with. I know it's, like, the, the boarding school genre in general is probably more popular in yeah. England. But but um. Well, but even like those yeah. two guys, and like you said, those those forlorn looks that his, is a like the majority of that dude's dialogue. Yeah, that, that I think that even comes up in the 2018 one. That I mean that would make sense. But that was the only the, the only uh, little bit I had about that. You know, I had to sneak in my agenda last minute. Yeah, you got to social justice. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, but it's a good point, and I, I think that a lot of times when you read about this movie, they do actually mention the, the uh, that it's like queer or stuff like, or it involves sexual repression, and which which just shows you how low the bar is to clear to get that as like part of one of the themes of your movie. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's like one one line of dialogue and then some long looks. Right, but um, I also I should also well, mention I would, say, I I would argue that is that is character. Sarah is like ninety percent of Sarah's thrust as a character. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a there's there's a few things. She's going got on a brother, and she's an orphan. She's got a brother. She's an orphan. She's got some trauma in her past, yeah. and you know, maybe maybe there's something to be said for the way they're trying to link it's the way she acts in her right. trauma and stuff like that. But who knows? Let's not let's not go there. I guess because I I couldn't um I couldn't speak for the uh, what the intentions were there. Yeah, yes, it's a very low bar. I mean, yeah. the it's a I I've, I'm sure I said it on this before, but I'll say I have a weird I will always have a weird perspective because I just having watched six feet you know six feet under in high school, mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, you can just make characters gay all the time if you want. Yeah, well, I mean, you you can in, in modern movies, really, or I think. But if you, much, you right? can, it's very easy to get tricked into. Some of our pre-show talk about I only watch children's cartoon discourse to make you think it's oh yeah <laughs> there's still leaps and bounds to be made but it's really like no you just watch kids cartoons and Disney movies yeah well yeah yeah and did you know that God hates fangs <laughs> <laughs> that's all I remember from True Blood that's a good that's a good joke honestly <laughs> that's clever you see, you see what they're doing there Andrew oh I see what they're doing there. <laughs> I have my eye on you, Michael Ball. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So same creative uh, the series is why I said. Yes, I, I, I think I knew that. I get him confused with the guy who does. Um, 
American Horror Story. I don't know who that is. I I don't. I've never seen American Horror Story, but I it just struck me as being similar to True Not Blood. Not even American Horror Story. Coven. 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 <laughs> Coven. <COVID. laughs> American Horror Story. Coven. No, I have never. I've seen any of it. I I think there are this, American like, Horror Story. The new scary house. <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> I like it. So uh, I do. I do want to call out the fact that we mentioned there's going to be bonus content. Yeah. There's going to be a uh, an episode posted to uh, the Patreon feed. So goldenagehorror.com slash Patreon. All right. There you go. There you go. Goldenagehorror.com slash Patreon to learn all about. Now, what might you hear about on goldenagehorror.com slash Patreon? All right. So uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to release a weekly horror movie text review. Okay. Uh, now, so is this like... Contemporary, this historical. This is just, I think, I think. Well, here's here's what I'll say. It, it might not be a horror movie, but it'll be it will be either a it horror movie horror or a cla- it'll, No, it'll either be a horror movie or it'll be a golden age movie. Okay. Because I almost exclusively watch really old movies or horror movies. Okay. So it should be no problem. Or the British Great British Baking Show, but I'm not going to write about that. No. No. Um, and then I hear uh, people that's, love those kinds of shows, though. I mean, I look. I like to bake. I like to watch shows about baking. I'm sorry. And then I'm not going to apologize for it except for the apology I already offered. I I, I require an apology from everyone who watches <laughs> reality television from me. Yeah, A thousand okay. words well, or more because I'm a pretentious asshole. Sometime after you spend all day doing nothing, you need to you need to cool your jet by looking at a different screen. That's got soft stuff on it. That's not going to make your brain talk. Ah, but my brain loves to talk. <laughs> And then there's also going to be a monthly. We're gonna we're gonna record these these podcasts in sets of two episodes and release one of them on the main feed and one of them on the Patreon. Ah, and that, this, that classic. This month, that classic. This month we're gonna release a. Uh, we're gonna cover the. Uh, I think it's from the 2000s horror movie Rare Exports. Did I say that right? Rare ex. Did you say Rare Exports right? I think you did. <laughs> Did I say the name of the movie? Did I say the right name? That's what I was looking at. Rare Exports, I think. Is Rare it. Exports, 2010. It's a Christmas movie from Finland. Oh, oh, I... You see, Matt, I watched Rare Exports. <laughs> oh, that, you might have watched the wrong movie. Um, <laughs> it, I think it marketed itself as a Christmas film. I don't think it was from Finland, though. So I'm not yep. sure. <laughs> Santa, so, um, Santa did drop off some packages, though. Good. Glad to hear it. So the Patreon will be is a it's a you know it's a monthly donation I guess and then you um it's not a mo- sorry sorry I said that wrong it's not a monthly donation because of our uh, the way these podcasts have come out where they're not regular I've chosen to charge per creation. release yeah per creation so if we go six months without releasing an episode there won't be some you know you're not just sending us money right. that's basically what it comes but then to. if we do it consistently I think it's easier to just. As someone who recently switched over to monthly, because I'm like, why aren't these people getting charged? I don't understand how per creation works. I'm so confused. Yeah. So also, I'm um, releasing far more creations. I eventually switch over to monthly. Yeah, uh, that's fine. And uh, there's there's some explanation on the Patreon about how that will work. Um, so and and there's so there's three tiers right now. Uh, there's a three dollar tier, six dollar tier, and twelve dollar tier. Uh, we don't have to go into all this now, but. Check out the Patreon link, patreon.com slash goldenagehorror. Nope. <laughs> goldenagehorror.com slash Patreon. Yes. And that will... Uh, you should get that. You should set the unique URL to be the other one. 
I will. It is a, become a patron of Matt Bevilacqua right now. Okay. So I don't know. Oh, no, it is. Patreon.com slash Golden Age Horror. There you go. So go to either one. They're both going to work. I'm going to write that down to make sure I make the redirect. But yeah, either one works. And there's nothing, there's no content on there right now. It will start at the release of this episode. Yeah. So enjoy. And if people sign up for well, honestly, I would do that more frequently. I would be able to hammer out plenty of Patreon episodes if people were paying for them. Yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, I think, especially right now where it's like sort of the fun of the show is a little bit diminished because we're not doing it in person. Yeah. It'll be, a, it'll be a lot easier to motivate us to get, to do more shows if, uh, but yeah. So anyway, check that out, you know. Yeah. So that is our discussion of Picnic at Hanging Rock. And, okay, and um, before we end, I gotta, we gotta do our favorite segment. Okay. It's been six months since we've done it, but it's been a little Okay. And that is, Matt, as we enter 2021, what COVID-related horror film are you looking most forward to? What COVID-related horror movies? Are there some in release? That's terrifying. It's too early. (laughs) What what, what do you look... How are you looking forward to it being portrayed? Oh, I I can't wait till the government... or... (laughs) Well, I can't wait till there's like a a legion of jackbooted government thugs forcing you to wear like your special plague proof helmets or whatever that turns out to be a conspiracy and the rich are eating you somehow you know what i mean i think i sketched out a movie there just just yeah now. it's it's free but they basically make you wear a stupid clown mask or something and then oh shit know. i don't know but i think by 2021 enough of us will be jokerified that we won't have to worry about that <laughs> we'll already have the clown mask on yeah i mean i think this is a tweet but who would have thought that the message of 2020 would have been that we live in a society <laughs> i think that is a tweet I don't think I made that. Up. No, I don't believe so. If I, if I did, I'm a fucking genius. So, you're a genius. You've read Twitter before. Yeah. What about you, Andrew? This isn't. That's not how the segment works. Don't try to. Oh, okay. Sorry. I already <laughs> sorry. gave it to you. Zombies. Yeah. Joker. It, it'll be zombies somehow. They're like it'll be a new disease that, but they'll like be, there'll be a lot of mask stuff involved. Yeah. Like it's an yeah. airborne zombie virus. I just I just don't think. Well, I mean, it's never stopped anyone before, but I just don't think that we're equipped right now to produce a thoughtful movie about the coronavirus oh, pandemic. Oh, okay. I thought you say produce a movie because I think <laughs> I think that would stop people more often than thoughtfulness. It's just the ability um, to produce the film. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. Honestly, that, that might be a might be a blocker as well. The fact there's no movie theaters, but anyway, um, are those movie theaters in other countries? I mean, they're movie theaters in America. They're just not being used right now. We should all go to New Zealand and go watch the movies. We're not. There are, unfortunately, our passports no longer allow us admittance. Oh, shit. <laughs> so it got us. Oh, well. We just have to wait. Just have to wait six months or four months or however long. I think there's probably movie theaters open right now. Yeah. In America. How else are you going to watch Wonder Woman? Well, HBO Max. Pay for another service. No, thank you. <laughs> Um. All right, all right. Let's not get political, Andrew. Sorry. Leave leave, leave HBO Max out of it. <laughs> They've done so. Um, they're under so much stress already. Yeah. If if you uh, so, I just I want to say as well that we have a uh, email address, Matt at goldenhr dot com, and a uh, phone line five zero eight eight one seven three four zero eight. If you want to leave us a message there, we'd love to hear from you about this or any other episode of the show, or just like uh, horror, any horror questions. 
anything, you know, uh, we are encouraging you to leave a rating or review in iTunes in the in the form of a short fiction, yes. some flash fiction. Right. Yeah, I forgot I said that. That was fun. Yeah, you said it a couple times. Yeah, that was the thing I was doing. There's just there's just uh right now there's just just nasty nasty comments about how we talk too much. So feel free to jump the in there. What are and... they talking about? What do you think a horror <laughs> podcast? What do you think a part? Well, they were not that we talk too much. Are? Not that we talk too much, but that we have nothing to say. I guess. Is well, the I real think problem. that's not entirely wrong. <laughs> I feel like there's uh, probably then we... somewhere we're definitely just spinning our wheels. Yeah, I mean, you know. Sometimes I just like to hang out, you know. Yeah, and that's the vibe I think we want to have is that we're just hanging out, talking about a movie and other stuff. And it, it, and also, it doesn't matter. So there you go. Oh, shit. As it turns out, nothing <laughs> matters. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a mailing list on our website, which is the, aside from subscribing to the feed, is the best way to find out about new episodes. Right. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at The Water Method. Andrew's at Pizza Pranks. Oh, what, buy? I've, I've say Did you say buy the Apocalypse? There is now 12 issues. No, there's not 12 issues. No, there'll be 12 issues on Friday, on the fr- January 1st, 2021. So probably by the time you're hearing this, it'll be just about 12 issues. I would expect this to be out pretty Been soon. Cranking those, cranking those bad boys out all year. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, thanks for listening. That website, goldenagehorror.com. Goodbye.